Well, good morning, everyone. My name's uh, Dan. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, good morning to anyone watching online. It's great to have you with us. Uh, my name's Dan. I have my lovely wife, Ruth, over here, my daughter, Phoebe, and my son, Josiah, is currently out in rainbows having the time of his life, I imagine. Um, so much thanks to them out there. Sam, I thought you were coming to me, Sam. Uh, it's good to be together, isn't it? As we've been singing, it's good to give thanks. It's good to be in the presence to, of the Lord together. It's wonderful to be in this place with people. You know, me and, me and Phoebe and Sarah and Brendan were down here about nearly a year ago when we did the first live stream, and there were four of us in the room. Um, and it was great, but it wasn't like this. This is, this is brilliant, and I love being in the presence of God together. I love spending time with people, worshipping. I love uh, getting a coffee together and talking and discussing our lives and what's going on in them. And uh, this week we had our family hub in our house. Our family hub is what we call our small groups. And uh, we had ours in our house and it was great to have people there. The dog wasn't a fan of it to start with, but he got used to it. Um, (laughs) And um, it's good just to be with people, isn't it? You know, it makes a difference being in the presence of someone, doesn't it? Like, Zoom's great. Like, I'm so thankful for Zoom, so thankful for what's gone on the last year, what we've been able to do. But it makes a difference being in the same room as someone. For starters, you don't have that awkward moment when people talk over each other. Oh, no, you go. No, no, you go. No, no, you. You don't get that when you're in the same room as someone. It makes a difference. And I I think, I, I genuinely believe that we appreciate being together more. Um, as a result of, of what's gone on, you know, I think the enemy came to steal and destroy it, and he came as a thief in the night to steal and destroy and to take relationships, to put people into isolation. And I genuinely believe that God has turned that around, and we're seeing that God is turning it around. That we we value relationship more, we value being together more. You know, even even as a, a church, as an organisation, we're working in partnership with organisations that we wouldn't have worked worked together before COVID. You know, the, God has turned things around. He's restoring relationships. He's restoring community. He's bringing people together. But how many of you know, it's not just about being with someone. It's about being with the right person. It's about being with the right people. Because who you are with affects who you are, and it affects what you do. Now, we're about... A minute and a half, two minutes into this preach, and I'm going to talk about Manchester United. So that's pretty, uh, <laughs> that's pretty good going for even for me. Uh, but um, about 15 years ago, so in the 2000s, when Manchester United were good um, <laughs> and winning things, um, and I have to say that because you'll understand why in a minute, uh, I went to Old Trafford and I stood surrounded by Manchester United fans as a Manchester United fan myself. I stood there and I, um, I cheered and I shouted and we were playing Liverpool. And <laughs> sad times. And, uh, and I remember the moment that we scored our first goal. I remember the moment we scored our second goal. I remember the moment we scored our third goal. And how great it was. Yeah, yeah United could score more than one goal in those days. And... I remember cheering and being around people and the chants, and I remember telling Liverpool how bad they were. And, um, you know, (laughs) because I was surrounded by other Manchester United fans. A year before that, I went to Anfield, 
a friend of mine invited me to go to Anfield. Now, he paid for the ticket, so I was happy to go. I'm not sure I'd have paid. But he paid for the ticket, and we went and sat in the, uh, in the Anfield Road end. And uh, we were surrounded by, um, surrounded by Liverpool fans. And we were playing Southampton. And I'm from the south coast. I lived near Southampton when I was a kid. And so I've always had a soft spot for them. And Southampton scored first! And I couldn't react because I was surrounded by Liverpool fans and I feared for my life. And, and I kind of gave my friend a wry smile of like, ha, ah, you've come all the way to Liverpool from the south coast and you're losing. Um, nevertheless, Liverpool scored two goals and won the match 2-1. But the point is this. It was both, both were a football match, but my reaction as a Man United fan was different with who I was with. Yeah. We have to be really careful who we are in relationship with. We have to be really careful who we are friends with. Youth, I just want to say this to you. Be really careful about who you're friends with. At this time in your lives, be really careful who you surround yourselves with because it makes a difference. And this morning, there is an invitation. Ali's already mentioned it. There is an invitation for us all this morning to be friends with Jesus Christ. Now, we've begun this journey, we've talked about it over the last few weeks, Trevor's introduced it, about being, uh, following Jesus together. And I'm really excited by this journey, I'm really excited by all that God's going to talk to us and speak to us about. And um, he talked about these three priorities, John Mark Homer mentioned, talks about these three priorities and Trev quoted them. And the first of these is being with Jesus. The first priority when we want to follow Jesus together and be his disciple is to be with Jesus. The other two, incidentally, are becoming like Jesus and doing what Jesus did. But we are called, first and foremost, to be with Jesus. To follow him is an invitation to friendship. It's an invitation to intimacy. And I think there's a reason it comes first, because we're not just called to do stuff. You know, we are on a mission. That is true. But the first and foremost, our call is not to do stuff. It's to be with Jesus. And I think over the years, the church has got that wrong. And the church has tried to do stuff. And we've tried to, to achieve things. And we've tried to persuade people without actually spending time with the one that we're trying to show them. What, show them. Without being, spending time with the one we're trying to demonstrate the love of. We need to spend time with Jesus, and he invites us to come with him. In Matthew and Mark, Trev alluded to this, he talked about this. There's an invitation to come and follow me. Come and follow me, that you would be fishers of people. And then in John 1, verse 39, when in one of the other uh, stories about the disciples joining Jesus, he says to them, come and see, come and see. You know, there's an implication here that the person being asked has to respond. Now, we've got two kids, as I said, and when they were little, if we wanted to go somewhere, the way it worked was I picked them up and I put them in the car seat and then we drove where we wanted to go. (laughs) Now, if we want to go somewhere, we have to have a conversation. We have to let them know what's going on. We have to say about an hour and a half out that we're going in 20 minutes. And um, we, have to persuade, we have to maybe persuade them if it's not something they want to do. I'll come and I'll buy you this. We have to encourage them. 
But there's a point where they have to make a decision whether they're going to come or whether they're not going to. If you want to see a really funny video on that, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but you've seen the Michael McIntyre sketch where he talks about people who have kids and people who don't have kids and how people who don't have kids can just leave the house and walk out the door, whereas people who do have kids have a screaming match and shouting and where are your shoes and all this sort of... It's brilliant. <laughs> but, you know, there's a decision that has to be made. When, when we say to Phoebe, come, we're going to church this morning, we're going to Jubilee Centre, Phoebe has to decide to come with us. And she does, and she's here. And we have to decide and we have to choose to follow Jesus. He calls us. The psalmist says that Jesus, that God is mindful of us. I love that. But I have to choose to respond to the call of God, the call to be with him. Mark 3 verse 14 says, he appointed the 12, so he's called the 12, and he says that they might be with him. And then it says, and that he might send them out to preach. But first and foremost, he said, he appointed them that they might be with him. Being with him is where we encounter Jesus as a friend. And Katie's just read for us John 15, and I'm not going to read it all. It's a wonderful passage about remaining in the love of God. Wonderful passage about remaining in Jesus, remaining with him. And in verse 12, if we pick it up there, John 15, verse 12, it says this. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's lives for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. Wonderful. You are my friends. Jesus calls us his friends. You know, at this point in John, the disciples have been journeying with Jesus for a while. This isn't right at the beginning. This is after a journey. They've been with him for a while. They've eaten with him. They've walked and they've talked with him. He has taught them. He has encouraged them. He has challenged them. He has changed their mindset. And they've spent time with him. And at this point, the result is an intimate friendship with Jesus. This, this is his call to us. It's what the Living Bible calls a wonderful friendship with Jesus. And this isn't just, you know, this isn't just a few people who kind of hang out a little bit. This isn't just people who get on. It isn't just roommates. It's not just friends. Joey, Chandler, etc. It's not just people who get on and hang out all the time. Or chums, if you're that out of a certain age and you remember SMTV Live. It's, it's people who are together. It's an intimate, transforming relationship with Jesus, an intimate transforming friendship with the one that will never let you down, will never let you go, will never ever leave you, the one that will be by your side and encourage you and challenge you and stir you into love and good deeds more and more every day. And so how do we partake of this friendship with Jesus, this offer that's out today? He's extending his hand Well, he says this, verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. You are my friends if you do what I command. Now, I've been a Christian for 31 years. 
I've been in a church for even longer. And I have always kind of struggled with this because I've been brought up in a, a church where we talk about grace a lot. We talk about it's not about works. It's not about your actions. It's about grace. It's all about his grace. And so I look at this and I think, you are my friends if you do what I command. Well, that doesn't seem to fit with grace to me. That doesn't seem to fit with that pattern to me. Does it, you know, if I, does that mean if I don't do what you command, then I'm not your friend? Well, that, that's not grace. And, you know, if I, if, if I had a friend and they said to me, right, you can be my friend, but you need to do this, 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 I think I'd find another friend. You know, me, me and John are very good friends. And if John said, you can be my friend, but uh, I need you to bring me uh, this uh, at 10 o'clock every morning. And I need you to, uh, you know, come around my house and cook me dinner. And I need you to, you know, come and babysit for me three times a week. You know, I think I'd tell John that, you know, probably not, mate. <laughs> it doesn't seem to fit, does it? You are my friends if you do what I command. But see, the commands of Jesus are not oppressive. They're not there to put us down. They're not there to exert rule and order over us. His commands are there to bring us life. Read the New Testament. Read, read the Gospels and listen to the teaching of Jesus. Some of his commands, love the Lord your God. Love one another. Be kind. Be gracious. Show humility. Be non-judgmental. Show compassion. Think of others before yourselves. Be childlike. These are the commands of Jesus. They're commands that bring life. They bring life to us. And then he says in verse 13, No greater love than to lay down one's life for a friend. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for a friend. And Jesus did that. Jesus went to the cross and he died for you and for me. He died for his friends. He laid down his life for us. And so to pursue relationship with Jesus, we come and we lay down our lives before him. We lay down our bad thoughts, we lay down our attitudes, we lay down our personal ambitions. And we do it to be in intimate communion with him. Jesus knew what it was to have a perfect relationship with the Father. Verse 10, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. You know, somewhere else he says, Jesus says, I only do what I see my father doing, doesn't he? He leads by example. He knows what it is to have a perfect relationship with his father. If, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. This is not legalistic. This is not a, if you do this, then this happens. This is a way of life. The commands of Jesus are all about throwing off all those things that get in the way, all those things that entangle us, all those things that mess up our lives. It's about throwing those things off and embracing that which draws us closer to him. Because the result, as it says in verse 11, is joy overflowing. Wonderful joy 
overflowing. I'll explain that in a minute. And this is ongoing. It's an ongoing, everyday occurrence, isn't it? This is not a one-time thing. We need to cultivate our friendship with Jesus every day. The disciples walked with him every day. Don't let busyness get in the way. You know, I used to work away a lot, as many of you know. Used to be in hotel rooms over 100 nights a year. And uh, and away a lot more than that as well. And um, Ruth and I would uh, start it off by ringing, ringing each other and all that sort of thing. And then over time, we realized that the time that I was available to ring her was like the most inconvenient time. Like right in the middle of bedtime. That was the time I would ring, hi, how's your day going? Uh, not great, the kids aren't going to bed. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so so what happened was... Over time, we just stopped ringing each other. And we, we might send the odd text and that sort of thing. But over time, we kind of got to this point where I was away doing my thing and Ruth was at home doing, my, doing her thing. And let me tell you, that caused strain in our relationship. That caused problems in our, in our marriage. We struggled to connect because we weren't having that daily, those moments, constant moments of connection. One of the amazing things that's happened over the last 18 months has been that, that we tell each other about our days every day to the point where I may get a little bit too much medical information for my liking. <laughs> and we're, when we're just lying there and ready to go to sleep and Ruth says, let me tell you about this eye operation I saw today. <laughs> but you know, it's great. We know so much more about each other. We've, our relationship has deepened because we spend that time connecting don't let busyness get in the way. Don't let distraction or awkwardness get in the way. Walking with Jesus is a daily occurrence. The call of Jesus is daily. Make space for it. Make space and time for it. Walk with him. I've got friends that I used to, when I was a teenager, I used to be part of this group of about, about eight of us. And uh, we would go for walks because uh, the iPhone wasn't invented. And we would go for walks and we'd talk to each other and we'd hang out and we'd, we'd love spending time with each other. And I recently, in fact, recently, two years ago, rang up a friend because I had some stuff going on in my head and I said, I just need to come and chat with someone who's not like in my life all the time. And just, uh, just come and hang out and chat through some stuff. And do you know what we did? We went walking. And as we walked, we talked through loads of stuff we must have been walking for two and a half, three hours, just talking and exploring and encouraging and challenging each other. You know, spend time, walk with Jesus. Read the word. But when you read the word, don't just rush into your, week, your daily passage and read through it. But actually say, Jesus, what do you want to say to me today? What are you challenging me with? What are you encouraging me with? Show me yourself in the page today. Spend time in prayer. Spend time listening to him. I listened to a podcast yesterday, actually, and, and there was an encouragement to spend 10 minutes in silence before him, not asking him anything, but just listening, just waiting and expecting him to talk to us. There's a great quote. It says, uh, it's by a guy called Trevor Hudson, who's a uh, Methodist minister in South Africa, and he said, spiritual practices at their best, are practices of friendship. 
I'll read that again. Spiritual practices at their best are practices of friendship. So spend time. Now, if you come to my house and want a coffee, then I'll make you one. And uh, if you come for a meeting, I'm going to be honest, if you come for a meeting, I will probably make you a really quick coffee uh, using my AeroPress. It's a really quick 30-second job. And the coffee's nice. But if you come to my house for a coffee or for breakfast and just to hang out and there's no time pressures of needing to get through a meeting or that sort of thing, then this is how I'll make it. Now, it's not perfect this morning because I've been preaching and uh, I don't normally do that while I'm making coffee. Um, But the thing is, what happens here is that you put the coffee in the top and you just let the water drip through. And what you end up with It's a really pure, really clear, really clean cup of coffee. Loads of the bitterness goes, and you taste all the nuances of the flavour in the coffee. Now, I know there's some people who are saying, coffee's coffee. I'll just extend the hand of grace to you for this moment. Um, This coffee is bought, it's from uh, Bex's Coffee Roastery in, in Marsh. He roasts it in the shop. This is Ethiopian coffee. Michael, do you want to get me some cups? Uh, it's uh, fruity, winey, aromatic flavours. Andy, do you want a cup of coffee? You have to come and get it there, mate. I didn't pour as much as I had intended. There's some coffee here. Karina, you like coffee. There you go, mate. That one's a really small one. If anyone else, anyone else want a cup of coffee? Like I say, it's not the best cup of coffee I've ever made, but hopefully, as you taste it, You'll be able to taste the depth of flavour that you wouldn't get if I just made it in 10 seconds. You see, when you take time, all those nuances come out. All those things that you didn't know were in that what now looks brown dirt. All those flavours come out. And it's the same when we spend time with Jesus. When we spend time in relationship with him, all the, we learn all the little nuances, all the little things that we'd never seen about Jesus. We see he points out all those little things in our character, all those little thoughts and attitudes, and he says, if you adjust that, if you change that, then you'll become more like me. Spend time. Spend time with him. And don't give up. Because in, verse, in chapter 16, in verse 1, it says this, I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. Spend time with him. Spend time cultivating that friendship, that relationship with him, so that when it gets tough, you won't abandon your faith. And when we accept the call of Jesus, we get to be transformed to be more like him. Uh, I couldn't decide whether I can tell this, but I'm going to say it this morning. There was a guy that came in on Friday. It was Friday. Uh, it was 10 to 4 down here. 
And this guy came in and uh, he knocked on the door and he asked whether we had any social activities going on. He was an older gentleman. And he started to tell me the story about some stuff that had gone on in his life and how, how hard it was at the moment. And I was really busy because it was Friday and it was 10 to 4 and I knew I had to get away by a certain time and I had bills to pay and that sort of thing and, and other tasks to do. And so I presented him with the coffee morning leaflet said, come back on Monday, 10.30, there'll be loads of people to hang out with, loads of people to talk to. And, uh, and he, tried, he told me a bit more about himself, and I said, yeah, come back, come back. And that evening I sat down at home, and I started weeping. I started crying. Because I realised in that moment I had an opportunity to either be busy or to be Jesus to him. And in that moment I'd chosen to be busy. And you know, maybe if I slowed down a bit, maybe if, my, maybe if I was walking closer with Jesus, then I might have thought, at that point, I can pay the bills when I get home. It's the internet. I can do it from home. And actually, I could have spent 10, 15, 20 minutes with him with a cup of tea, showing Jesus to him. Now, I'm not telling you that story to make you feel bad for me or anything. Jesus' grace is enough, and I pray for that guy. And if he turns up tomorrow for coffee morning, I will be one of the first people to come and say hello to him. But we get that opportunity to be Jesus, to show what friendship with Jesus looks like. And maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, well, this all sounds well and good, Dan, but I'm not good enough. Maybe you're watching online and you're thinking, I've made mistakes that you don't know about. Before we end, I want to read this from Matthew. Matthew 26. Starting at verse 47. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's just been praying with his disciples there as well. And then this happens and... Be a familiar passage to all of us, but it says, And even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. The traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and he gave him a kiss. Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. My friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. I'd never seen that before. I've read that. How many times we read that passage at Christmas? At Easter. Don't get those confused. Crikey. Even in the darkest moments, even literally in the moment of betrayal, even in that moment where Jesus knows where he's going, and we know that because obviously he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, take this off me. But even in that moment of betrayal, Jesus extends out his hand of friendship. Wow. Wow. So what is our response this morning as Jesus hands, extends his hand out to us? 
You know, there's another man, Peter, who betrays Jesus. He denies Jesus three times. But the two men respond differently to the call to friendship. Judas ends his own life, goes and dwells in self-pity and ends his own life. Peter weeps, falls to his knees and weeps. And then he goes to be with the disciples. And then we read at the end of John, he sat with Jesus after the resurrection. And Jesus says, do you love me? And Peter says, of course, I love you. And he says, then go and build my church. See, there's a, the call of Jesus is there to everyone. He's extending his hand out to all of us. And we get a choice. We either, stand, we either dwell in our own self-pity and think, oh, I'm just not good enough. Or we see the goodness of God and the hand of friendship from him. And we accept his forgiveness. And we learn to walk with him. Will you receive the forgiveness and accept the call to be with him today? Romans eight thirty nine. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And so there's an invitation. Paul, do you want to come up? There's an invitation to us all this morning. Jesus is extending that hand, that hand of intimate friendship with him walking with him daily, learning what it is to be in his presence daily, being transformed, becoming more like him daily. And we're on a journey, as we've discussed. We're on this journey together. But right now, I want to encourage us to make a decision. There's no pressure. But maybe you've been a Christian for years. And just in this moment, it's just for you about saying, yeah, yeah, Jesus, you're my friend and I want to spend more time with you. I want to spend more time cultivating my relationship with you. Maybe, maybe you, you don't really know what it means to be friends. Maybe you've been a Christian for years and following rules and regulations and trying to be the better you and actually you just need to hold your hand out to Jesus. And say, Jesus, I want to be with you. Or perhaps this morning you feel like you're not good enough. You feel like you've messed up. The invitation to you this morning is to come. Come to his come to him. Respond to the call of friendship and walk in those ways. And I'm gonna come over here and, and if anyone wants prayer, there's no pressure. Like I said, if you want prayer, come over here and I'll pray for you. If you're watching online, there's a button you can press. But we're just going to spend some time just, just, just in worship again. Just uh, spending time with the King. King Jesus. Wonderful King Jesus. Friend of sinners. Amen.